powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to all of I can't you can't see me. Hold on one sec. Move that out of the way. There we go. Welcome to Game Over Montreal. The Canadians won big. 8-2 over the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was uh, about a, as wild a game as could be expected. Obviously, the Blue Jackets played last night, but the Canadians put up an effort uh, similar, I think, to the one they put up against Boston. But this time, uh, they weren't playing the Boston Bruins. They were playing a team as vulnerable as they have been in recent games, and they made them hurt. Uh, Nick Suzuki ties his career high in points with a fantastic four-point night. Uh, really the glue that holds the team together. The straw that stirs the drink. Nick Suzuki is that bitch. All right, uh, we got lots to talk about. Brendan Gallagher scored his first goal after coming back. Jesse Yelonen stays hot. You know, Sammy Montembeau continues to be incredible. But uh, before we get into it, let's talk about March Mania at Sports Interaction. NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness, exclusive games with insane odds that you can't play anywhere else. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario. Use the QR code to see that you see at the bottom of the screen or head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, I got two awesome guests with me tonight. Scott Matla from Locked On Canadians and Drew Thompson. Let's welcome him in. How you doing, guys? What's happening, fellas? It's uh, it's 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 a night. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I expected out of this game. I, we called it the toilet bowl for Bedard, and uh, only one team ended up in the shitter tonight. I guess so. Uh, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. I see uh, Phil Doucette in the chat is asking if anyone thinks Nick Suzuki hit seventy points this year. He's got nine games to get nine points. He's got what twelve in his last four. He's on a <laughs> hell of a heater. And yeah. the have schedule here, the Sabres, who cannot stop leaking goals, except they're going to probably play Devin Levi on Monday, which means he's getting a shutout in his first NHL start. That's how that goes. But then they play the Flyers, which just anything can happen in that game. Panthers, yeah. where 37 goals will be scored. And uh, <laughs> Toronto's also on there, which means, you know, Nick Suzuki loves to play Toronto. He's got a shot. He's definitely got a shot. He's definitely got a shot. I'd, I'd say, like, the tougher games are, like, the Islanders trying to get past Sorokin, second last game of the year. The Bruins, obviously, but he, he put up two points against the Bruins just the other night. So, like, the Red Wings are on there. There's some games where Suzuki could get some points here. I would not be surprised at all. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you guys feel about Nick Suzuki, but I, I see the chat was talking about him coming into, like, before we started here. And everybody's talking about how important he is to this team. And I think it was Mark Dumas, my co-host for this show, who is, uh, I think, supposed to be writing things for Montreal Hockey Now, but is instead chatting with us in the chat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> called out, Mark, sorry. Uh, he's saying we often take Suzuki for granted, but yeah, he's the glue that's kept this team from falling apart two years in a row. That I think that's true. Hard to argue. I got the jersey on. I can't lie. I'm totally going to, you know, <laughs> yeah, I got, fan, I got fan him boy to the other side, <laughs> yeah. background there. There it is, yeah. Yeah, um, you, you can't not love it for sure. He's been... Uh, He's been a constant and like the captain's he just is a compliment to everything he's been doing. So it's kind of it's fun to see, man. It's a, it was his first four point game of his career too tonight. So that was pretty fun to see as well. And somehow, two years in a row, plus the COVID year, the only one who has warded off whatever is haunting the Montreal Canadians after like 
COVID and everything else is just Nick Suzuki is inevitable. He is constant. He is a backbone to this team here. And people talk about, is he a one season? He clearly is not only because he's the only one who can apparently stay healthy for more than five games at a time as a Canadian, but even every time someone brings up this conversation, I forget who said this on Twitter is that every time someone brings up the Nick Suzuki, is he a one C is he worthy of being captain? He just takes it personally. He becomes the Michael Jordan meme and just whatever team is in front of him, it's not going to go well for you. And tonight that was uh, Elvis Merzlikens and, you know, Michael Hutchison and the I almost call them Chicago. Jesus, the Columbus blue jackets in this game. <laughs> Yeah, it, he. I mean, maybe we should trash Nick Suzuki more often if this is the way that he responds. <laughs> At least when they start making the playoffs, we'll start trashing Suzuki as just like even like hints that we're trashing it. And he can do the Michael Jordan thing where he like makes up that people are trashing him. <laughs> <laughs> just not a made up story. But man, I'm I'm so impressed with that. I I call him a kid. I know he's 23 years old, so he's not really a kid, but he's still a kid. Uh, he's just incredible. Did you see the uh, in the? It was like part of the pregame thing where a kid gave him a gift. One of the kids that they had at the Bell Center, and uh, it was just it was a box of Vector cereal <laughs> to help him. Was it little, really? Yeah, yeah. A uh, have some more pep in his step tonight. Uh, obviously, it worked. Vector. So I am googling this because I don't know what that is. Is this just like Frosted Flakes? Like you don't have Vector? Is, in it's the a US? healthier. It's a healthier Frosted Flakes. Yeah, it's Still, like Frosted. Anything is healthier than Frosted Flakes. It's just well, sugar on flakes. It's <laughs> like yeah. okay, so this is going on a tangent, but Vector is a legit super good cereal. It's like a thicker uh, flake that's like more crunchy, and it also has oat clusters. Oh, there's protein and everything. Yeah, it's legit, really delicious. So. I, I have to say, that's clearly why Nick Suzuki had his four-point night and get that kid season tickets. Now, <laughs> we've seen Skittles traded for sticks. We've seen bananas traded. Nick Suzuki got a box of cereal and just decided to destroy the souls of Columbus, Ohio. So, which, okay, fair. He, you might not need cereal for that, but it's still well-intentioned. I'll give him that much. Poor Columbus, Ohio has had their souls destroyed, I think, enough this season. <laughs> <laughs> one more for the road <laughs> that second period they they just looked like they were asleep like completely like i think anybody could agree to that but it just seemed like yeah they were on the tank trains and i know i know it was a back-to-back but it was clear that you know they were they were out of the game pretty early especially in the second period when uh rafael harvey bedard just decided to turn it on so <laughs> you mean to say Raphael Harvey Bedard? I had to get it in there. Once. I mean, <laughs> I had to get basically there once. tonight. My God, it's funny, you know. And just we'll move on to Bedard or uh, to Bedard to That's Harvey Bedard. Sorry, Andrew. But I do want to like you. You're mentioning the the one C thing with Nick Suzuki, and after the Bruins game or like during the Bruins game, I was like chatting with a few people on Twitter and. Uh, there was one Bruins fan who was like, "Yeah, Nick Suzuki is a second line center at best." And I got to say, I'm looking at Boston's roster here and no one's going to question Patrice Bergeron's two game excellence, right? He's in my opinion, he's not what we think of when we think of generational players, but he is a generational player. I don't think there's many players you could point out who have had a bigger impact on their team and on the sport in the last 15, 20 years than Patrice Bergeron. However, Nick Suzuki has more points than any center on the Boston Bruins. (laughs) <laughs> he has more points than almost anyone. He would be after tonight third on the Bruins in scoring, and I think that's two points behind Brad Marchand. And obviously, yeah. he's not going to catch Pasternak because 
49 goal. You're not going to catch that. But and that's yeah. the thing. They're playing with Marshawn and Pasternak as their wingers. Suzuki's been without Caulfield for what, 30 games now? Since what, January? Like, yeah. the man don't worry, is there's, good. There's Rem, there's Rem Pitlick and Alex Belzio. All due respect to Alex Belzio before Mark <laughs> yells at me on Twitter for this. All due respect to Alex Belzio. But if you're given the choice between Brad Marchand and Alex Belzio, will you pick Alex Belzio because he's not Brad Marchand? So, um, it, it's insane what he's able to do and that people talked about his slump like he wasn't playing with emergency call-ups from the AHL at this point. So I didn't realize, one, obviously the Bruins are the best team because they have the depth scoring across the lineup there, but Suzuki producing at a pace that would put him in the top three on the best team in the league, I, I don't really know what you say to that. Like, what what else can you say? I don't know, but I know Mark is upset with you about uh, trashing Belzil, so... Uh... <laughs> yes, I, the one covering the Habs AHL team, am going to trash the team captain. That's good for my career. <laughs> yeah, I, he's just beyond impressive. And we know that Suzuki, for the first couple of years of his career, was very much like a defense-first guy. And I think Marty has encouraged him to embrace offense a little bit more. He's still facing those top matchups. And his defensive play has suffered as a result. But I have no doubt whatsoever that once this team is in its like competitive era, that he's going to have developed that offensive side to the point where he can buckle down on the defensive side at the same time and still produce. Is he going to be a point per game player? Uh, probably not. But if the Montreal Canadiens head into their competitive era with like Suzuki as their top C and then somebody else between Suzuki and Doc to like bridge that gap, I feel like that's a one, two, three that can be in the same conversation as teams that won Stanley Cups, like the Boston Bruins, like the St. Louis Blues, who didn't have that like prototypical superstar center, even if they don't get Bedard or Fantilli in this upcoming draft. Yeah, they definitely want to build a team that's complete from the back end out also too. And I think that that's what I like is that, you know, even, even if they don't get a superstar in this draft, if they don't get Bedard or Fantilli or Michkov or, you know, Carlson, one of the, one of these kids that they're tr like what Marty's trying to do. And, and that's what I love hearing from him. Uh, they're, they're asking about the power play this morning. He's like, yeah, we, we don't have time to focus on the power play. Like, we're trying to get that team concept behind everybody. So it's not just the power play. It's the whole team game that they're trying to get them to play. And that's what's fun for me looking forward to the future and the competitive window that Andrew's talking about, because that's what we have to look forward to with all the young kids coming up. Uh, you know, we Lane Hudson, we can't stop talking about it. Like Sean Farrell could be signed tomorrow. A lot of these kids are going to come in and join and complement the already young youth, if you will, if that makes sense. <laughs> But uh, it's it's an exciting future, regardless from from every position. Maybe goaltending is the only question um, still. But uh, yeah, there, there's lots to look forward to in Elgar there. Just the amount of talent they have coming in defensively, too. Guys who are here now, guys who are coming in in the next couple years, they have so many options there. And for so long, it was PK Subban and Andre Markov, and then you hope someone comes up and it didn't happen. And then Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber kind of bridged that gap a little bit without to rehash the whole Subban-Weber thing. And then it's like there just wasn't a stud in the system there or a young guy that you could feel confident be like, they're going to be an NHL player. Like we have said with Jordan Harris and looking at a guy uh, like Lane Hudson who's projecting to just superstar levels in his freshman year, 
they have that squared away. It's easier to find forwards in the draft that you can develop. Look at Rafael Harvey Pinard was an overage draft pick. Xavier Simino was an overage draft pick. Both of those guys are going to be NHL regulars in the next couple of years. Harvey Pinard already is. Working with what they've done, they can just they have a bumper crop of forward prospects, and now they have the defense to back it up with guys who are here now, plus their core pillar pieces that are already here. And a coach who isn't like, you're going to play defense first. If you dare to try and carry the puck out, I will literally staple you to the bench myself, is bringing the best out of them. They're not winning a ton of games right now, but you see all the building blocks. And when all these young guys get there and the cohesiveness comes together, they're going to be fun. Like they're, they're going to play actual modern hockey for the first time. I think I can remember as a Canadians fan outside of like the first two months of Michel Terry. In second tenure here before he decided that uh, you need to play defense for 60 minutes and scoring goals is optional because Gary Price will save us. <laughs> and I'm excited. I'm so excited to see what this team can do. And if you get one of those top three picks, awesome. If you don't, there's still so much you can do to build up here because you still have another first round pick. And depending on what they do with a Joel Edmondson or someone else going into the draft, there's going to be even more pieces coming in here. They got a lot of chances to really build something special here. 100%. All right. Uh, let's talk about Raphael Harvey Pinard. But first, uh, make sure if you're enjoying this show to like the stream because it helps us grow and subscribe to SDPN. Um, smash that like button right through the friggin' computer screen. Uh, <laughs> follow Scott, Macla, Scott Matla and Drew Thompson. <laughs> follow Locked On Canadians. Subscribe. To game over Montreal, wherever you can get your podcasts. And uh, I saw earlier in the show, uh, Kate K, one of our most loyal listeners, was asking for book recommendations for the Montreal Canadiens because she isn't like a fan that's been around for a super long time. So she wants to know more about the history. We're just going to reach over here. Number one, right there. That's the one you got to get first. <laughs> right? Okay. We're both on, on track. You guys rehearsed that. that, didn't you? You got no. this one, Larry Robinson, one of the greatest That's, of all time. There it is, Underrated. my dad's favorite player. There you go. This is a little bit more of a dry read, but it's Patty Wall, so you got to get into the 90s a little bit and the 80s. That's a uh, thick I'm trying one. to think if I have any more down here. I don't think I have any more down here right now, but I've got one. Good, I have a good one, but it's off. It's off screen, but I have one. I'm like, I got. I can't reach for it right now, but it's got the 1986 Cup team on the front. I don't know if you guys know which one it is. It's like a History I did have another one. A season oh, in ooh, time. There you go. <laughs> right, uh, anything by Todd Deneau actually is quite excellent. That's so actually what I've got, got here. I've got the greatest game, the uh, 1975 against the Red Army, the Canadians Red Army game. So yeah, there's <sighs> there's many many books. Kay, <laughs> you're gonna get a list a mile long uh, on your Twitter feed, I'm sure. But yeah, okay. So let's talk about Rafael Harvey Pinar because man, oh man, am I impressed with this kid? And I think we all know he's not gonna shoot 25% next year. But he's on like a, what, a 33, 34 goal pace uh, since he was called up in 29 games now. He's just, he's playing first line minutes against top competition. He's not shrinking against anybody. He is an insanely hard competitor. He forechecks extremely well. I think his passing is extremely underrated. He makes really clever short passes. Also, his ability to handle the puck in the middle spot on the power play where he's under pressure really really shines i find in the last uh batch of games i there was somebody arguing with me on twitter tonight comparing him to rem pitlick and i just gotta say no 
<laughs> it's not the same. I know Rem Pitlick had that like touched by God shooting percentage and on ice shooting percentage last year. Like uh, Harvey Pinard kind of has a little bit this year, but the underlying numbers for Harvey Pinard are stellar in a role that he probably shouldn't be having to play. And Rem Pitlick, you know, no disrespect to the guy, but has some of the worst underlying numbers in the league. It, he's he's a fourth line or 13th forward type guy who can make some skilled plays, whereas Rem Pitt, or not Rem Pitt, like uh, Harvey Pernard is a guy who can actually play top six minutes consistently and continue to score and have a great defensive impact. Like this kid is legit. And just because he's 24 and only making the NHL now does not change that. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, uh, it, it's definitely encouraging and maybe he's a bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. But that's, but that's fine. Cause he doesn't look out of place whatsoever. Like maybe timing is everything. And in this case, it looks like the timing is right for him because he doesn't look out of place, uh, in any area of the ice. He's responding well. His reaction time is, is right on. So he just looks like he fits in and maybe, maybe he's going to play with even better players, you know, going forward too. But I mean, this is a contract year for him as well. So, I mean, like he's 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 making himself a great case to get a good raise for himself too. So I think that uh, it and it's fun, right? He's it's a good story. He's a Quebec guy. Um, it's it's just it's a good story for a lot of reasons. But the way he's playing with a guy like Nick Suzuki, I mean, that's what I love about Nick is the way he brings everybody into the fight. It doesn't matter where he came from or whatever. He's going to bring the best out of you. That Michael Jordan quality is going to make everyone around them better. So that's what I that's what I'm appreciating from him so far. And what a night! Like to get three goals in one period. Like the, the whole, the bell center was going wild and, uh, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was a fun night and RHP was a big reason for that. So with his three goals tonight, he moves into top 10 in rookie goal scoring this season. And he's played 29 <laughs> games in front of him are Jack Quinn, Kent Johnson, Mason McTavish, Shane Pinto, Karol Marchenko, Maddie Beneers and Wyatt Johnson, guys who are in that Calder conversation. Harvey Pinard got called up as an emergency because everyone on the Canadians died of bonitis at some point this season. And I, I, I try to not do this kind of thing. I'm going to take that victory lap because I tried to tell people he's going to be an NHL player, his effort alone in place. He's not the most skilled guy out there. He's not a Cole Caulfield sniper. He's not a speedster, but he does all the little things right that you want in a hockey player. And that's why he works with Nick Suzuki. It's why he would work with Kirby Doc or with Jake Evans, or if he's playing on the fourth line, all the little things come together and he just makes it work. He was a huge part of the Rocket team there that had a lot of veterans. He wore an A for a reason as a second year player in the AHL. And that's because he worked his ass off and was a leader on that team, scored a lot of big goals for them. And to watch him hit the NHL, yes, admittedly shoot, 24%, which isn't going to last, but look at where he's scoring goals from. They're deflections where he's getting in front of the goaltender. He's cleaning up rebounds. He's getting a stick on the ice next to the net. He's doing all the things right. He's not just blindly throwing shots at the net and they're going in there. Everything about his game makes him a lock to be on this team next year. Like if we're looking at people who we should be writing in, you have your Caulfield, your Suzuki, your Doc, whatever, you got to put RHP somewhere in that middle six to start because he's earned that at the very least because he's that dude. Like, you know, getting passed over seventh round, 201st overall, and he's, you know, now 12 goals in 29 games. 
on one of the worst teams in the NHL this year is it's fantastic to see. It's one of those real feel good stories in a season that's been rough in a lot of different aspects. Yeah. And I know uh, Amy P in the chat was saying his puck retrieval is elite. And I, I totally agree. And on more than just puck retrieval, because I think when people talk about puck retrieval, oftentimes they're talking about uh, like uh, catching up to dump ins, right? Winning those battles for dump ins. And he is really good at that. And he's also, I find he's very good at like the chip and chase, like the soft chip to get past the defender. And then he's the first one on the puck anyway, get gets guys pivoting. Right. And uh, at the wrong moments for them, like right on the blue line. But more than just that, I find he's incredible at winning puck battles in open ice, whether that's in front of the net or near the net. He's just got that knack of like getting low to the ground and winning those pucks that aren't just difficult to win, but like can decide games, right? Because it's just like when you're that close to the net and you win that battle, that's unexpected for an offensive player to win because frankly, defensemen have more to lose there they're allowed to get away with a lot more they win it's something like 70 percent of the puck battles within the inner slot so when you win those either you catch a goalie off guard with a shot or you know the goalie has to commit right away and you just bump a little short pass over across the crease to your buddy over there and he has a nice tap in i i just can't get over and it's like yeah he's a smaller guy so he maybe maneuver but like Everyone's so fast and skilled now It to watch him do what he does. And everyone says he reminds him of Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, but he gets a, he doesn't take the same amount of penalties in that I understand why short guy work hard, score a goal, Brendan Gallagher. Xavier Seaman knows Brendan Gallagher, and you'll see why whenever he makes that. But I, I, it, it's almost unquantifiable that I can't put into words just all the little things that I see him do that just work that like he did them in the AHL and okay, that's one thing, but getting to that next level and they're still working. And this is clearly Martin St. Louis trusts him in these positions. This is not, I have nobody else. He has guys that he can move around here. And yet RHP is the one sticking to Nick Suzuki because he he's earned that spot. He's making it work through doing all the things that a coach loves like you said, winning those battles, winning them in open nice and just working hard. It's it's the ideal development that you would see for a player. And so far, the Canadians are two for two on seventh round pick forwards, making it to the NHL unexpectedly. It's nice I to see, that. too, that. Yeah, it's nice to see that. You, I think it was Gary Gallo you mentioned on the broadcast or uh, or something, but he was saying how when uh, – when showing the replay of all three of his goals too. I mean, he didn't have the puck on a stick for more than a couple of milliseconds or less, like, you know, three different kinds of shots. It was the first goal was a rebound. He bangs it in the second one, just a quick snipe. And then the third one was on the power play, just like that nice tip in front there. So he's scoring in different ways too, but, but just the fact that he, he gets that puck off a stick quick. He doesn't, he just looks like, an NHL or, and timing. I said this a minute ago, but timing seems to be everything for him. And, and he's taking advantage of this opportunity tenfold. So it's just, he's only, he's only upping his ceiling from here and it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. I got to shout out to the chat here. We've got to welcome Thomas from Denmark, people from all over Europe and uh, show up regularly here. Awesome. So shout out to the, to you. There's a bunch of new people in the chat and a bunch of regulars, King of the North, but I will say Mark is for some reason, Scott, just dragging you. He says, Scott, what kind of terribly overflavored beer are you quote unquote enjoying tonight? Like a nice IPA with hints of watermelon, oak casket, vanilla, old leather, wild dogs, and hops. Uh, this actually isn't a beer. So like this is 
What is it? <laughs> That's an energy drink. And it's oh, it's, it's rocket pop PMs, God. I still have an article to write, and tomorrow's my day off, and I want to play video games and I was done here, so like sue me. I it's not my <laughs> fault I work on weekends. If he wants, I can go get something weird out of the fridge and come back and just truly upset him. <laughs> Doesn't hurt to mix it up. You guys have all known each other for years too. I think I get that vibe from from uh Yeah, yeah. We we are all, we all go back to Habs Eyes and the Prize way back. Right. Like Scott, when did you join? It must have been like twenty fourteen at the Oh latest. it would have been this the fall of twenty thirteen because my first full year was covering the Hamilton Bulldogs. I would it was twenty thirteen when I joined the site. Uh, the 2013-2014 season. So this will be uh, the going into my 10th full year at Eyes on the Prize uh, with that. Andrew hired me out of the comment section, which was true. a <laughs> wild choice considering all I did was post gifts and make fun of the Bruins. So We clearly <laughs> needed a shit poster. <laughs> <laughs> you never oh, know the stories I can't tell on yeah. this show because of <laughs> other reasons. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a cool yeah, story, we should though. we should say that Eyes on the Prize will be launching April first, right? Uh yes. Uh, if I had more details to share with you, besides that we are going the independent route on things, I would do so. I do not know because, as Andrew and Mark both know, uh, Justin is a cyborg who just does everything behind the scenes, and then suddenly it is done. So I am entrusting the future of all that to our grand cyborg overlord uh, Justin, who operates on Narnia time, where everything is at least 10 seconds ahead of me here in New York. So um, once we have more details, those will obviously go out on Twitter and I will be sure to share those uh, when they are available, what they are, but we will be going uh, independent of Habs Eyes on the Prize and all the content that is there now is coming with us, which is uh, the biggest point that we wanted to make. We wanted to keep over a decade's worth of hard work from Andrew, Mark, and everyone else in-house and not let that uh, go to waste or disappear from uh, the internet at this point. Yeah, Secret Agent Man says uh, April 1st is a joke. I I told Jared when he told me that April 1st was the launch date. I was like, you don't want to wait a day? But Oh, we lost <laughs> we lost someone here. Uh, I think we lost Drew for a second. Hopefully he rejoins. Uh, unbeknownst to me, he uh, had to jump off there, but... Uh, oh, no. Lots of love for Drew in the chat, so hopefully he can come back on, but... Uh, <clears throat> we'll figure it out. Yeah, he was frozen here for a bit, it looks like. So hopefully his internet comes back on. If he does, uh, we'll see it on OBS. It'll mess up the screen a little bit. But uh, we'll figure it out. We'll keep going forward. All right. Uh, there was a question here in the comments. And listen, I live to serve. So let's take some questions here. Uh, Canty Canadian says, can we talk about Matheson? That guy's crazy. We have him for, what, four more years? I have a question for you, Scott. Yes. Mike Matheson continues to absolutely crush worlds with his ability to transition the puck. He's got 25 points in 38 games this year, which I feel like or not more than that. He's got 28 now in 39 because the NHL is, takes forever to update their stats. Uh, I look at Mike Matheson right now. I wonder, is he going to lead this team in points next year if he's healthy? Like he, he, I think he has that potential. He, he, I don't know if he'll lead it because assuming Caulfield and Suzuki stay healthy all next season, one of those two is going to lead the team. And I don't think Matheson's going to be far off that pace. 
I don't think it's going to be like we were talking about with the Bruins where it's Pasternak and then everybody else like in a tight group behind them. I think you're going to see like a 75, a 70, a 68 in that range there. Watching Matheson when he's on, and I think you know and anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, I loved Jeff Petrie here, and I loved what Jeff Petrie brought. Matheson has done that in spades now that he is healthy. Watching him skate is a treat, and watching him be reliable is incredible. The power play thing not working is still a bizarre occurrence that I cannot feasibly explain because my brain doesn't work that way, but watching how good Mike Matheson has been this season, it it isn't out of the realm of possibility that he leads the Canadians in scoring next year. And Penguins fans are like, wait till he's bad. And it's like, it can't be worse than what I'm watching right now. David Savard's playing 23 minutes a night. Bless the man. But I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Like, it's worth a punt at, at some point on that. I think it's still going to be Suzuki just based on he's Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield yeah. will be, you know, anchored to his hip next year again. But that's not necessarily a bad thing that if Matson's putting up 55 to 60 points. Yeah. And the thing is like, I I'm kind of shocked, honestly, that the point production for Matheson isn't higher. Cause it seems like almost every goal, the Canadian score he's involved, like whether it's gaining the zone or, Throwing it up there. Uh, Trinket83 says, is Andrew wearing nail polish? I am. My youngest son wanted to do, have purple fingernails, and then he decided that I needed to match him, and yeah, so I'm, I'm matching him. Uh, but yeah, Matheson just like, it, he just tilts the ice so severely. Like, we haven't really seen it. Like you, Scott, I was a huge Petrie booster. But I feel like Petrie was a lot more methodical in how he managed the transition game and he was effective at it. But because he was a bit more slow and planned out, it didn't really create as much offense as much like the, the offensive underlying numbers were great, but he never really hit that in terms of uh, like the goals while he was on the ice. But it's, it's because like he's doing the right things, but he's not catching people off guard. Whereas Mike Matheson is like, well, I'm just going to spin a Rama at the blue line and somehow keep myself <laughs> onside and beat two defenders and rush the goal. And you're like, what the, f- what the fuck? Why are you leaving, leaving the four check? What are you doing? And no one knows what the hell he's doing until Harvey Bernard comes in and bats in the rebound. Like, it's just, he does things that defensemen normally do not do. And I love it. I, I look at what he does in that. Petrie's offense came a lot from being an effective deep driver once the puck was already in the offensive zone there. And that he was, especially on the power play, he was very good at being mobile within the zone. Matheson expanded that into all three. And like you said, the opening goal of the second period is just Mike Matheson going, and just taking off, going around people. Like, I, everything he does, I'm like, that shouldn't work. That shit shouldn't work. It worked. Why does that? I don't care because he just, he's a, he's literally a spinning top half the time and it keeps working. And it's so impressive that he's able to generate so much speed. He gets back defensively well. Watching him skate, it's a treat. Like, I, I know I'm repeating a lot of what you said here, but just watching the way he plays a modern offensive defensive game there. 
in that it feels like the Canadians went so long without someone to fill that void because Victor Mete was never allowed to be that guy despite that being his skill set. P.K. Subban did until Michel Therrien started yelling at him to stop doing that. And Andre Markov was more of a traditional great first pass, you know, and then operate inside the offensive zone guy. Matheson is that next era of just producers. And it's not like he's Miro Heiskanen or a Victor Hedman type who are at the, who are at the top, top of the league for a good chunk of time here or primary Carlson, but he's damn good at what he does. And the Canadians getting that in that trade for Petrie, which I looked at first and went, I don't know about this. I only know him as the dude who body slammed Elias Pettersson and everyone's mad at him. And now I go, Oh, okay. This rules. Okay. It makes sense now. Well, I'm a little bit biased. I actually also thought the trade was a little bit underwhelming at the time. And People got mad at me for it because people hate Petrie, but uh, I worked with Mike's younger brother, and he was a cool dude as well. And I'm I'm just extra happy for the family that he got to come home to Montreal. It's such a cool story, and having seeing him have so much success is really awesome. The chat is talking about uh, the jerseys that the Canadians wore in warmups tonight and how fantastic they were. They were fantastic. They're also asking about the artwork that I have in the back. Uh, these are by uh, Andrew Mur- or yeah Andrew Murray. Dave Murray. Post- Dave Murray, sorry. I'm thrown <laughs> off by having another Andrew on the show. Dave Murray. <laughs> and uh, I will throw the link to his website in the stream chat when somebody else is talking in a moment here. But first, let's welcome Drew back. He's back. There's a windstorm where he is right now, so it's knocking out of his internet. Ironically, Drew, as you got frozen up and kicked out, there was like a huge bunch of people in the chat talking about how much they appreciated your analysis. So lots of love in the chat for Drew. Well, that's nice to know as I was trying not to get swept away by a tornado because, uh, (laughs) you know, there's, there was a warning, I guess my wife's like (laughs) reading the weather report before I go downstairs. She's like, yeah, there's a tornado warning about half an hour, 40 minutes from here. Have a good show. You know, like, (laughs) like, so we're, we're okay. Uh, as far as, as far as I know, we're okay right now, but that's appreciate the comments from anybody chiming in there. That's great. I'm just happy to jump in with you guys. Uh, and you know, try to blend in with the chemistry you guys already clearly have through years and years of working together. So I'm just, you don't want chemistry because then Mark just starts making fun of you in the chat for <laughs> no reason whatsoever. It's a, ter- is, it's an endearing thing. It's an endearing thing. He loves you deep down. I know he loves you. So yeah. Who else is going <laughs> to deliver in poutine at the bell center after the NHL draft? <laughs> That's true. That was the most clutch delivery of all time. That was still <laughs> probably having been drinking for several hours at the SDPN, uh, get together or meet up, whatever you want to call it at casual spore back at the draft. And then having Scott deliver Putin, that was probably the best Putin I've ever had. It was absolutely incredible. Was that so the I first gathering the, like since COVID that you guys, cause that was like one of the first SDP and get togethers you guys had, right? That must've been a blast. I think it was the first since COVID. Yeah. They had their first live show in uh, Kitchener, I think, earlier this season since COVID, it was like an actual podcast recording. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I think that was the, the first actual get together since COVID. So it was, it was really cool. It was really cool. We're we're planning on doing something for for Game Over Montreal for the Toronto game, the last uh, Toronto game of the year on April eighth. So we'll keep you updated with the details on that. I got to talk to some people this week and figure it out. Maybe we'll try to get Scott up uh, from the cold awful area of buffalo is that where you are 50 
It was 55 degrees here today, and based on the pregame shots they showed on uh, sports, it snowed in Montreal, so I don't yeah. want to hear it about cold today. So It was off. But you've had worse snow than we had this year. Yeah. Uh... Buffalo always does. <laughs> Buffalo yeah. always gets it worse. No, worst. this year was historically <laughs> bad. We had seven feet of snow in one storm, and then a basically a gale force like snowstorm that was so bad they couldn't put trucks on the road because they kept getting blown off it and the city was closed for a week so and it was right around two great big american holidays it was fantastic it was just what you need when you have to travel so <laughs> gotta love uh, the optimism despite it all uh by the way i wanted to ask scott are you going to the game monday in buffalo uh, i am probably not i've got to work and then uh, i was gonna look at doing press things and then uh some other stuff came up that uh is not what people want to hear on this show right now. So uh, I thought about it and then I'm like, no, I already paid for like tickets to go to a wrestling show in Toronto. I need to save a little bit away for some other stuff. So nice. Uh, I am not nice. going because I know Tage Thompson's just going to decide to destroy whatever little bit of optimism I have left because that's how that went last time I went. Yeah. Other than his last name. Yeah. That's uh, no, he's a great player, but uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate his last name. Yes, obviously. But uh, I thought I got last, last minute tickets. My nephew's never been to a Sabres game. So I thought I'd ask if you were going to be there, but all good. I am unfortunately uh, going to be absent. I'll be watching from the safety of my couch next to the dog. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Um, <clears throat> there was a comment here. Canty Canadian says that they find it funny uh how the canadians tried to have like the whole like pure lane quebecois canadian players for years and the moment a new regime comes in they have a quebecois coach uh their starters from quebec and lots of quebec kids it is kind of funny how that worked out i mean part of that is you know uh the last regime drafting a lot of those players right and i i do feel like as much as people focus on that and you know like every year whenever there's like the Who's going to take who in the draft thing? Uh, you know, Craig, Bunt Craig Button is like, yeah, the Canadians are going to take this French kid in the first round. And they never do because that's not something the organization really has ever done. And I don't think that the uh, organization has ever really like over-prioritized Francophone players to the detriment of the team. Coaching, maybe. But it's, it's like a weird thing. But I think the biggest issue with the Canadians and the lack of Francophone players has been like... Quebec hasn't been producing francophone stars, right? And that I think the Canadians have some responsibility to invest in that. I hope that Hughes and Gorton convince Molten, Molson to do so because, like, as much as Joshua Waugh is great, uh, I hope he hits. You know, like, there's a bunch of French kids in the org that seem to be developing into quality NHL players. There's no star, and I think we'd all love to see. A, a local kid be a star and like Mike Matheson's a local kid too. Don't get, uh, don't get it twisted. Even if he's not a Francophone guy speaks French, he's from, I believe the West Island Kirkland, I think, uh, uh point so, Claire. I was born point in Claire. point Claire as well. So, and people still give me the Mike Matheson. I, I get skinny Kessel a lot actually, but, uh, but Mike <laughs> I Matheson. Yeah. Just I get it. A this. You got to yeah, change your studio. You just got to have like a murder studio now where it's just one <laughs> chair and like a 75 inch TV and that's it. And nothing else like the true <laughs> Phil Kessel apartment. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, Matheson's from Point Claire. That's where I was born. I, I was born on the West Island in Quebec, but I was raised in Niagara. So however that worked out, but uh, yeah, I got the red hair. I mean, there's, there's, there's comparables there with Matheson and myself. So I don't know. That just kind of happened, but 
For sure, for sure. All right, let's talk about Brendan Gallagher for a moment here because I feel like, man, it's been tough to talk about Brendan Gallagher in a positive light in a very long time. Yeah. His plays just deteriorated. His body's deteriorated. But two points tonight, you know, pretty vintage Gallagher night from a guy who, you know, he's mentioned that his cardio is gone to shit because of all the injuries. I believe he had a high ankle sprain, so he couldn't do much. Uh, to keep himself in shape so he feels out of shape you could tell at the ends of shifts he was just dead out there but always working hard his line was the uh, the line that tilted the ice the most tonight how much do we need out of brennan gallagher over the next i think it's four more years after this one where his contract isn't an albatross what i threw out there i was talking to a good friend of the show and uh, former EOTP contributor as well, uh, Olivier Bouchard, that uh, I think if Gallagher can score 15 goals a year and continue to push play in the proper direction, he's not a guy that they need to like cut. But I feel like he will no longer be like the fan favorite guy. Like He's still going to get a lot of fan ire if that's what the rest of his career is like. When people move on from the whole, whenever Joel Edmondson gets traded or whenever Mike Hoffman or Josh Anderson gets traded, that crosshair is slowly going to shift to other contracts that are getting paid for a long time. Petrie was in that crosshair when he got traded, and that's kind of worked out. I look at Brendan Gallagher in that if he is actually healthy, he's always been a shot chance generation machine. He can't finish worth a goddamn because that's just his luck. But he always did, like you said, push things in the right direction. But playing injured, you can tell that he doesn't have that pace and that effort into his game to even get into the right spots. Like watching him shoot is painful to watch. If he's able to keep in that 15 goal range in the cap, which I know is not going up right now, the contract becomes a little bit more palatable. But I look at another team who goes, we need a middle six guy who can generate chances and be consistent. And I thought of two names because I did a uh, trivia show with Ian Boisvert yesterday. And off screen, we were talking about Brendan Gallagher. And two teams came to mind for that would definitely spend money on a guy like Brendan Gallagher. The Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. He's from Edmonton. and they LA. Are, yeah, Mark Bergeron would probably love him, reunite him with Philip Deneau instead of just, you know, <laughs> keeping them together in Montreal over $500,000. But, wow, that came out a lot more bitter than I meant it to. But... <laughs> I Vancouver, like he's, and I don't say this as a joke, like an, an actual Vancouver Giants legend for that team there. They've honored him, retired his number. I think Vancouver as a team who thinks they're this close to competing, are they a Brendan Gallagher away from competing? Probably not. Does their ownership think that? Probably yes. And then the Oilers, he's from Edmonton. I think that they're always looking for another shot generation guy who can if you stick him on McDavid's wing, he's going to score 35 goals just by being near the net in some capacity. I don't think they have to rush to trade him if he can actually stay healthy, but if he can't, then things end up in a lot murkier situation there. But tonight was the best we've seen him look in probably a long, long time, mostly because he's been on IR most of that time too. Under five seconds left, too, and he almost had his 200th career goal. I was like, Ugh. like, I just right? before we were about to jump on. I was like, oh, come on. Like, that would have been the, like, th- this game was already pretty great in- entertainment wise for the Canadians fans, but that would have been 
cherry on top for sure if he would have got that 200th goal because you saw when he scored tonight he just he was like ah oh, like you just see the sigh of relief on him right like just he he misses playing in that barn you know he knows what it's like he's been here 10 years now and um yeah like he's still got some intangibles and like Edmonton and Vancouver are really interesting I'd rather see him maybe even stick on a Canadian team so I'd be curious to see if that were to manifest in the seasons to come but for the time being I mean you do need some veteran guys that can still bang it's can still crash um, as far as his health goes, I mean, he started training camp and you saw him in the scrimmages and he looked great. Like his feet were moving. So before the season started, before you actually start playing Brendan Gallagher hockey, he was fine. <laughs> so, but when you get into the the grind of the season, I mean, I think 15 goals, like Andrew said, if you, if you can get 12, 30, like 12 to 15 goals a season and, you know, get quality minutes out of them and have them stay healthy and help this next youth movement continue, with a bit of veteran presence and doing what he does, but also Marty St. Louis wants him to evolve his game. And we've seen that a little bit too. So as soon as Gallagher scored tonight, you saw Marty go tap him on the back and say, here's what you did. And you give him a little positive encouragement, but uh, yeah, I don't think we have to kick him out the door just yet. There are some expiring contracts that, and some have been moved out like Jeff Petrie. There's, there's some inspire expiring contracts or one year deals left like Edmondson and Hoffman that are going to be off the books soon too. So I think, there's still room for Brendan Gallagher until absolutely there isn't, I guess. Like, <laughs> so that's kind of how I see it there. Yeah. There's a part of me also that like, I think when you're going through a rebuild and the Canadians have already accomplished this more than some teams that have gone through a rebuild and failed, right? Like you can't strip it down to the point where you just, you don't have a team that can be competitive at all. Right. Where it's just like, all young players, all losing all the time. Things like what Buffalo did, what uh, Columbus did way back in the day. Edmonton. Their own choice. <laughs> Edmonton stripped it down so severely that even with their young superstars, they couldn't do anything. Even with McDavid at the start, they couldn't do anything. You know, but you, you need, I think, a guy on the team also that, like, bleeds for the team Yeah. That, to show the young players that, like, you can push that much harder you can compete that much harder and Gallagher does fill that role and there's also a part of me that like you know who the last player to score 250 goals for the Montreal Canadiens is Mario Tremblay <laughs> like Max Pacioretty didn't do it he was traded before he could do it Brandon Gallagher is at 199 he needs to Thomas Placanis didn't do it I don't think so no he got over 200, but he, I don't think he was quite at 250, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he got to 250. He got to yeah. 233, and yeah, none of those were with the Leafs because he only scored in the playoffs for them. That's so funny that he went 0 for 17 <laughs> at the Leafs. Love you, he had 233. Damage. That's insane. Oh, yeah, my God. close, right? And Patrick, I believe, yeah. was close as well, but nobody's gotten to the 250 mark. Gallagher was the guy that a few years ago everyone assumed would do it. He needs to average 13 goals a year over the final four years of his contract, assuming he doesn't score again this year, like that is an achievable goal. Mm -hmm. If he can stay healthy, <laughs> which what is the biggest question. Canadians that you have to go back to Mario Tremblay to find someone who scored 250 goals for this team. Like just like Matt Naslin was there tonight and Matt Naslin didn't do that. Matt Naslin ruled so mm -hmm. hard and he wasn't <laughs> able to do that. Like, Oh wow, that's that's depressing as hell. Isn't oh it? my god, Jesus! 
If you think about it from an individual standpoint, yes, I think so. But if they're going to build the team the way they're talking about, like it shouldn't be dependent upon, you know, I mean, we've seen McDavid and Matthews for like, what are they, six, seven years in? And now, and at least we know the first round story there, but it takes a team. Like it takes a full team to win championships. And if they're going to do it by committee, I don't care if Cole Caulfield only gets 25, 30 goals and doesn't get 40 or 50. If they're winning, who cares? Like, you know, that's, that's kind of how I see it is. And, you just gotta you gotta get contributions from everywhere, kind of thing. And I think that's what Marty St. Louis is trying to preach to these kids and to the vets too. They're they're trying to mold everybody to the same into the same uh, type of team. Hundred percent. Although I think they better be winning Stanley Cups if Cole Caulfield scoring twenty five goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They better be the yeah. deepest team I've ever seen. Yeah, man. If you can make that guy not score. You're doing something wrong, Dom Ducharme. <laughs> the only coach capable of stopping Cole Caulfield from scoring goals was Dominique Ducharme, which is incredible when you consider the teams the Canadians played against in that playoff run. Paul Maurice doesn't count, but, you know. Yeah, so oh. Pacioretty got to 226, Stefan Richet 225. Brennan Gallagher is fourth among the Canadians in scoring since the 80s. <laughs> Oh my God! One ninety nine. Oh God! After Trumbly, of course. <laughs> That's like Saku got hurt, which is oh, not. And Matt Snazlin. Matt Snazlin's got two forty three, so he got so close. That's pretty. <sighs> that's within. Yeah, that pisses. That reminds me of like Markov being at nine hundred ninety games. That just pisses me off too. Like I know oh, it's a that, different. That pisses me off still to this day, man. It still burns me the way the like, Markov situation went down. Oh yeah, it still hurts. So. Yeah, getting close uh, close enough is just not enough. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And uh, Keck shows in the chat says that he can't forgive Trombley for the raw thing. Same here. That's the worst part is the last guy to score 250 for the Canadians isn't even a guy that you could like look at and celebrate as a whole because you're like, yeah, great player. Also an asshole. <laughs> also kind of awful. Like kind of is being very generous. Like Mr. I'm going to, was that Mario Trombley who got arrested and drunkenly blamed PK Subban for it while sitting yes. on the side of the street? Yeah. Yeah. So that's embarrassing. <laughs> that was like three level. in the morning when that news story broke. So I remember it's like, well, this seems important. Should we post about this? And well, it was, it was something as uh, Mark would say, it was times there were times, times for sure. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on from the upsetting things because everyone's like, oh, Jesus Christ, the Markov thing. Let's talk about <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, he's my favorite hab. Okay, I had to bring it. I up. almost wore his jersey for this show, too, yeah. and I decided not to because I asked I asked Ian which jersey I should wear uh, tonight, and we didn't go with the Markov one. It was a group decision. So Yeah, I had to go with Nick on this one. It was well-deserved, but yeah. Sorry to hurt old, bring up, you know, old, old pains, guys. I, I feel it just as much. Yeah, Mark brings up that Waffer gave him. Uh, I mean, they did that commercial together for Uber Eats that was fantastic. That's that's why they went to the Stanley Cup final is because all those go. It's like the curse of uh, the Bambino for the Red Sox. Only they <laughs> didn't win, unfortunately. So that was whatever. that was a really good commercial though. Like that I was mean, like if you knew, you knew, right? It was yeah. so good. Yeah, and it like was... no one knew it was coming out though, right? Like it just aired. No. Everyone's like. What the fuck is this? Like, was, like that day, there was a leak on like RDS or something that there was going to be a commercial with Wah and Trombley, and I was, everyone's like, "What? Well, what is what is this about?" And it came out, and it was it was so good, and somehow even better in French. Like, I think I only was, saw it in French. I don't speak yeah, French very well. They had an English one as well, 
But yeah, it was okay. a fantastic commercial, but uh, obviously. Stole. But I still understood because of the nine one. This is brilliant. I, I remember watching that game as an eight year old or whatever it was. So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it was at 95. So I would have been yeah. seven and had my heart crushed. I remember. Did you have the wall poster up telling like me? Okay. Yeah. Everyone had the, the wall poster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got we a picture like, of myself sadly. in front of it. Sadly peeled off. Yeah. Yeah. I've still got mine. Off. You still have it. No, no, oh, no. That's, 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 you still have that. I, I wish I still had it all. Yeah. I got it Probably rolled up. Worth it's so oh. much money. <laughs> so good. Next yeah, to the, the edges next are to the all like ripped to shreds, but what can you do? But yeah. Ah. Uh, I want to talk about the future for a second here. Uh, how feral are you guys going for Sean Farrell? <laughs> Give her. Yes. <laughs> Tell I, us how you really feel. So I wrote his draft profile for eyes on the prize. I'm like, I'm going to make this my personality now. And then they picked him (laughs) and I'm just like, I'm going to get really smug about this and hype up Sean Farrell relentlessly as that prospect. Since the guy I had done before ended up being just a trip or quadruple a player that wasn't trusted by the NHL coaching staff and now plays in Colorado. And I was like, okay, Sean Farrell's going to be that guy watching him play. And then he went back to the USHL because Harvard, canceled that year to do COVID and he's just like he could go in he could just you know waffle about it doesn't really matter he's still into Harvard he's like what if I just light everything on fire and set records and he did that and then he went to Harvard he's like what if I just light things on fire and he did that and then he did it this year again like top three or four in the country in scoring behind Fantilli and a guy playing for Western Michigan the highest scoring team in the country when Friedman said, oh, well, I'm hearing he's probably going to turn pro every single time he said that this year, the signing comes in the next 30 minutes or less. So I thought for sure in between periods, the Canadians would be like, we signed Sean Farrell to an entry level contract, or they're just saving it in case the game went south for some way. I'm so <laughs> excited about this. I'm, I'm so, like checking right now to see if they've signed him during the show, yeah. because there was like rumors <laughs> that they signed Struble during like the last show or the show before that. And then it didn't come out till the next morning, but It'd be great if they just did it. They put, uh, I'm seeing that they did put uh, on Harvey Pennard's nameplate, they put instead of Harvey, they put Hattie. They yeah, I just pulled that up too. Now. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I got Yeah, no, no feral signing yet, but uh, I see Kay booed me in the chat for saying feral for feral. I'm going to continue saying it. I've been sitting on it since the second period. <laughs> I hope you get the Canadians yeah. account and I know this isn't related to Sean Farrell have you seen the photo of him Hoffman and Suzuki sitting next to each other where Hoffman looks like he's sticking his tongue out but that's just the flap of skin between his lips and his <laughs> giant scar I can't it looks like he's sticking his tongue out every time I look at this photo yeah it's it all I can see I, I would say Awful. put it up in the I don't want to put that up in the chat because it's disturbing because his face looks like he fought a jelly donut and lost, but like <laughs> I mean it looked uh, bad enough in the video that he posted calling out NHL player safety, which was awesome and I'm glad he did it because one game is ludicrous for that clearly intentional forecheck right to the face. That, that broke that his damn wild. face. Yeah. Yeah. He, his jaw is like just i thought he lost a few teeth and that's why he was bleeding i didn't realize he basically got a second mouth put on his face now like yikes just oh yeah yeah it's weird how it comes across on tv because initially like i thought i thought he was trying to sell it like i thought he was exaggerating it when he got hit and i thought he was trying to draw a penalty so then same. you see yeah like we yeah we thought the same thing so 
um, to see that was the result. Um, I, I think he went about it in a pretty good way. It was like a 10 second video. And then all of a sudden, like, it's funny, how, <laughs> it's funny how hard we've been on Mike Hoffman since he got here and we, we signed him because we desperately needed scoring, but like just a 10, just 10 seconds will t- like turn fans a little more in your favor just by doing the right thing. Like it's just, it's interesting. He did it happened. so calmly too. He's just like, so I got two games <laughs> for cross-checking a guy and which, okay, cool. You got two games for cross-checking a guy in the head. That's fair. And then you just look at his face. He goes, and that was one game. And then that's it straight <laughs> yeah. to the point when he could have been like, what the fuck is this? He could and have ranted and it would have been like justified. But yeah. and Drew, I'll, I'll push this to you because we thought the same thing on like the fact that Hoffman was selling it for me. I think the reason why I thought he was selling it is because like his, he cross checked, uh, what's his name? Greer? AJ Greer. Yeah. Like kind of low. Right. So when you see that, you know that if the guy hits him back, you're not going to have the like stick riding up the stick shaft or up the arm or up the shoulder to hit him in the face. Nobody actually expects a guy to haul off and cross check somebody in the chin. It just seems so unbelievable, right? Like that yeah. kind of play. You you see guys get cross checked a lot, but on a face off, it, it was just so crazy and out there. I think that's why I thought that he was selling more than anything. Yeah, it, like I, I just yeah. did, I did not think that, like it, it just on TV, it, it's so much different in person. Like you guys know what it's like to go to watch a game in person versus t- versus television. It's it's such a different dynamic, and you see more, right? Like you see. Mm-hmm. So if you were if you were up close to seeing that, it probably looked worse than on television. But yeah, um, I just thought it was Mike Huffman, just you know, old school veteran trying to just sell a call, and and then he needs like facial surgery, like, or how many stitches did he get? Thirty six, whatever it was. So yeah. Yeah, just just mind-boggling that 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 little and and like you mentioned before the face-off even it was just it was a strange little sequence there. The whole thing is then Greer like the ref calls him on it and he tosses his head to the side like come on I'm like you're on the face-off facing the hard camera. <laughs> Everyone in the world saw you do this. And like I thought Hoffman sold a little bit then they cut to him go to the bench and then you just see the blood trail. I'm like oh no Hoffman's messed up bad. And I'm like, there's bleeding. This has got to be at least four minutes. And they're like, we're calling it a major. Okay. And he's just sitting in the box like, what are you talking about? You know, that's not, it's not a panel. It's like you hit him in the face. You yeah. can't even pretend that you didn't. Like, I know Chara somehow got away with it. I'll never understand. God, I know we, <laughs> we've had. Oh, no. Oh. Drew got frozen again. Oh, no. There. Hopefully he comes back. But we're probably going to end the show soon anyway. So if he doesn't, it's all right. But uh, Chara was on Gallagher, wasn't he? Like, crossed him right in the throat? Yeah, because Gallagher gave him one in the chest, and then Chara's just like, one and then again. And it's like, you're six foot nine, and Brendan Gallagher's 5'10 on a very, very generously good day. And he got, what, $2,500 for it? And it's like, are you, they, yeah. they call them coincidental minors, and it's like, that's yikes. I know we've had that discussion on this show before, so. Yeah, I will say uh, I agree with Mark in the chat. He's saying that the hate on Hoffman is a lot about reputation. He's actually been good this year. Yeah, we fully lost Drew, and it's mixed up the double Andrew thing again on the OBS, but uh, we got Scott here. We're pro- we're, we're going to wrap it up here, but I will say before we close things out, I just want to give a shout out to right here. Uh, this shirt was sent to me by Tanny Hockey, which you can check out. I think it's tannyhockey.com. 
you can check them out on Instagram as well. Just search T-A-N-Y Hockey. Uh, there, it's a Leafs fan, actually, that runs it. But basically, the whole gist of his clothes is uh, it's T-A-N-Y for There's Always Next Year. Because he's a, you know, self-hating Leafs fan. And everything that he sells is, like, clothes that talk about how much you hate your own team. And it's really funny. And he's from Fort McMurray, which I have to support because I grew up partially in Fort McMurray. So check him out. I've got lots of stuff from them. I also have, uh, he gave me a hat that has the NHL logo on it. But instead it says, like, fuck my life. Which, <laughs> you know, very, very Leafs fan. I think very Habs fan the last couple of years as well. But, uh yeah, uh, Scott and Drew, even though you're not here, thanks so much for joining me here today on this very fun game over chat after a absolutely wild game that I don't think anybody <laughs> expected to go that way. But uh, before we go, Scott, uh, make sure you promo some stuff. So uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Scott Matla on Twitter. If you want more of me in podcast or video form, which why? Uh, you can follow at LO underscore Canadians where I do a podcast with good friend of this show and good friend in general, Laura, the active stick. We are five days a week, Monday through Friday. Uh, and you can find all my writing, including the rating, the tank series to the end of the season at Habs eyes on the prize. Uh, we are obviously still collecting in the GoFundMe and everything else for eyes on the prize 2.0, wherever that may be. So any support at all is appreciated. Uh, and don't yell at me. I just make gifts. 100%. And for Drew, he's not here to promo his own stuff, so Mark has already done it in the chat, but I'm going to say it here. On YouTube, search Drew Deeks. That's his YouTube channel. And on Twitter, Drew underscore Deeks. You can also find the link to his Twitter, I believe, in the description of this video. Thank you, everybody, for watching Game Over Montreal. It's a pleasure to chat with you after each and every Montreal Canadiens game. There's only nine more. And uh, then we are going to have to talk about another lottery stream where we all have fun and root for great luck uh, for the Montreal Canadiens to get Bedard or Fantilli. So lots more fun to come. Got a four-game week coming up next. So uh, see you then. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.